So all through this month, we're going to be talking about the privileges and assets of redemption. And we've titled it, The Believer's Leverage. The Believer's Leverage. And our text is from Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13 to 14. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13 to 14. The Bible says Christ has redeemed us from the cost of the law. Be made a cost for us, for it is written, Cost is everyone that hangs on the tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we may receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. I want us to notice this, what's used in this passage of scripture. The Bible did not say Christ is going to redeem us. He said, Christ has redeemed us. If you look at other passages, other translations, right, of that passage, you know, that's King James, it says, ath, H-A-T-H, uh, M-T-H. That's past tense of, you know, have. So Christ has redeemed us. He's not going to redeem us. He says he has redeemed us from the cause of the law. Let me tell you this, there is no cost that can be greater than the cause of the law. None. And so, if the Bible says that you and I have been redeemed from the cost of the law, it simply means no matter the cost that anybody wants to pronounce, you have been redeemed from it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, you stop thinking about generational causes. You start thinking about generational blessings. You know, the average African and Nigerian believer is more conscious of generational causes. At least, ah, this is what is happening in my generation. You know, uh, these are words. In this family, this does not happen. This happens. But let me tell you this. You belong to another family. It's the family of God. That's why one of the things that happens when you give your life to Christ is that there is a translation, a transference. You are moved, the Bible says, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's own son. You are translated into the kingdom of light. And so it does not matter what is happening to everybody out there. The Bible says Christ has redeemed you from it. It says that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. But you see, how that blessing will come is through faith. It's through faith. It says that we may receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. That is, you must believe it. You must believe it. And all through this month, what I'm going to be sharing with us at the midweek recharge, at our Sunday services, our midweek recharges, our Wednesday services, right? Please believe these things. You see, the believer's life was never meant to be ordinary. If your life is ordinary, the question is, what is what's the use of salvation? What's the benefit? But let me tell you this, there are advantages, there are privileges that only salvation offers. That redemption only offers. You cannot get it anywhere else. You can't buy it with money. The only access you have to, you know, receiving it, the only access you have is the access of redemption. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 12 to 14, the Bible says, giving thanks unto the Father who has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. It says he has delivered us, that the scripture I was quoting earlier. It says he has delivered us from the power of darkness and he has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood even the forgiveness of sins the question is what is redemption 
If the Bible says that in him we have redemption through his blood, then the next logical smart question should be, what is redemption? What is redemption? Because if you're talking about the privileges and the leverage that redemption gives you, the question is, what is redemption? What is redemption? The first thing you need to understand about redemption is that redemption is not a reduction of your status. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? If you're taking notes, write that down. Redemption is not a reduction of your status. You know, we live in a time and in an age whereby people are ashamed to be called Christians. In fact, if they have a friend who is committed in church, committed to the things of God, they name that person. It's a church boy. Church girl. And like I've asked her several times, are you supposed to be a shrine boy? So if you're not a church boy, what are you? If you're not a church girl, what are you? You see, if that doesn't work, when they say that that commitment, that um, tax, those names does not discourage you, they now attach pastor. Say, pastor, pastor. You know, trying to make you feel bad. That I know, you know, you know ah, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a pastor. Let me tell you this. Big boys and true big girls love Jesus. Somebody hear what I'm saying? If you don't love Jesus, you are, a small, you are the smallest of all boys. I don't care how much you have in your bank account. Let me tell you, see, there is no money that cannot be wiped out overnight. There is no amount. They call you the richest man in the world. All you need is for a crazy person in the government of that nation to write a policy that will wipe out that wealth overnight. The Bible says the blessing of the Lord, it makes rich and adds no sorrow to it. It's only the blessing of the Lord. So to think, you know, <laughs> you have some amount, you now think, no, 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 you know, uh, uh, you know, at my level now, you know, I don't want people to be tagging me as, you know, a fanatic Christian. So what do you want to be tagged at? A fanatic occultist? Redemption is not a reduction of your status in any way. It is not. That's how the world has painted it. And many undiscerning believers have embraced it. And so you see people who are committed to the things of God, but you see, they are ashamed to push it out there. That's why for some people you cannot go through their social media page and see God there. You can't. Because they feel to post Jesus, to talk about things related to church. You know, people will begin to look at me somehow like, ah, you know, are you, are you a church girl? So they are ashamed about redemption. But I've come to tell you this morning, the first thing you need to understand is this. You see, the people that don't have what you have, they are envious of you. You just don't know. <laughs> they wish they have what you have. But they will never come out to tell you. And so when they mock you, it's because they are acknowledging their super, your superiority over them. They see how much they falsely, how broke they are before the end of the month. You are earning the same salary, but your needs are met. They see how much they have been looking for jobs. And you see, you just see, you know, I think I need to change my jobs. And you said that this year, and this year you have gotten it. They know there is something different about you. Now, does that mean that when you are redeemed, you're going to go through challenges? Of course not. Because Jesus already gave us a balanced message. He said, in this world, you will have tribulation. He said, but there is a guarantee and assurance that you will overcome. He said, I've overcome the world. And if he has overcome, then you have overcome. So the, av the average person cannot say that. The things that you have gone through, that you go through, and you come out stronger, the average person goes through it and it crushes them. And so you have an advantage, you have a leverage, you have a privilege. Why should you be ashamed about it? Redemption is not a reduction of your status. 
You can have spirituality and excellence together. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? You can have the two. You don't have to choose one at the expense of the other. Gone are the days when people were ignorant, when they thought that for you to be a serious Christian, you have to be smelling. When you say, praise the Lord, you have dragon's breath because you have been fasting. <laughs> praise the Lord. Gone are the days when a preacher is supposed to be broke, busted, and disgusted. If you are looking for that kind of pastor, this is not your church. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is not your church. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Uh-huh. You are looking for a pastor that will knock on your door for handouts. You have not found your church. Because that has never happened and it will never happen. And you don't need to say amen. Because it's not a prayer. It is not. You can have spirituality and excellence together in the same human being. You don't have to be so... You see, it, it's, it's unfortunate that sometimes you see that the people rising in specific industries are not believers. That's an anathema. You know, Solomon said that sin... One evil on the earth. He said, princes are walking, servants are on horses. Deuteronomy 28 and verse 13. The Bible says you shall be the head and not the tail. Above only. If anybody should be above, it should be a believer. If anybody should lead that industry, it should be you. And you know the grace is upon the house. I believe you know the grace is upon the house. That's what we have been called to do in this house. We are not trying to do what every other church is doing. No. Our mission is clear cut. To restfully devoted followers of Christ. Who will be what? Become significant in life and in the marketplace. We are clear about our mission. And so if you are in this house, no matter the industry you are in, you should lead that industry. It says you are the head and not the tail. Above only and not beneath. Did you notice that there is no provision for you to be in the middle? It simply means as a believer, you are either at the top or you are on your way to the top. In your lifetime, you should be the definition of success for your industry. You should never be lost in the crowd. Secondly, you understand that redemption is not an escape route to heaven. <laughs> redemption is not an escape route to heaven. For many people, when they talk about redemption, the need for a man to be saved, they talk about it as, you know, so that you won't go to hellfire. If that is the only thing redemption offers, the day you give your life to Christ, you should have dropped dead and gone to heaven. There is a reason why you're still here. There is a reason why you are still breathing. Because redemption has more to offer than a visa or a ticket to heaven. The next thing you need to understand is that redemption is a financial and a legal term. Redemption, you see, there are some words that when we hear in church, we think they are religious words. <laughs> but when you hear the word redemption, it's not a religious word. It's a financial term. It's a legal term. It simply means to buy back something. To redeem, right? You buy it back. Something that was supposed to, uh, maybe an individual, right, places greater value on something or that thing has been lost. So you pay for it to get it back. So when God made man, he made man as the God of this world. He gave the earth to man. That's what the Bible says in Psalms 115 and verse 16. It says, the heaven, even the heavens is the Lord, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. But what man did was that man sold out to the devil. He handed over literally his authority and dominion to the devil. So when Jesus came, one of the things he came to buy back, one of the things he came to redeem was that authority. That's why the Bible says that the Son of Man came to save that which was lost. It didn't say those who were lost. So it is not only people Jesus came to redeem. He also came to redeem positions. 
Somebody hear what I'm saying? That's why the devil, when he tempted Jesus, it wouldn't have been a temptation if it was not true. He said, if you bow before me, I'm going to give you the authority over the kingdoms. It was a temptation because it was true. But the reason why the devil saying it is because if Jesus had bowed, the sin wouldn't have given it to him. Because the Bible says he's a liar and the father of all lies. Do you get that? Also understand that redemption is an invitation, an initiation to a higher life. Redemption is an invitation and initiation into a higher life. That simply means when you are redeemed, your life, you should live a life of superior quality. In every regard, a life of superior quality, a life of dominion, a life of authority, a life that is in charge, <laughs> a life that walks over challenges as if they don't exist. You may be going through stuff, but you should not smell of it. Did somebody get what I just said? The Bible says the Hebrew boys were thrown into the furnace. The guys that were about to throw them in, the eat alone killed them. The eat alone. So you are going through things. You are in it. Others are just about to go into it. <laughs> and that thing has finished them. Sometimes, <laughs> some people look at you, is it that, is it, you know, that's why some people, when they don't understand these things we're talking about, they look at you, you know, where I come from, they say, show Nero Nuni, that is, don't you think? Don't you think? Are your mates already doing this? You've not done it, don't you think? I may be going through the fire, but I should not smell of smoke. The Bible says when they brought the Hebrew boys out, the Bible says there was no smell of smoke on them. They went into the fire. They didn't just go through it. But when they came out, it didn't look like they went through anything. Child of God, you are not supposed to be pitiable. You are supposed to be enviable. People should not look at you and be saying, ah, oh, sorry. In fact, they should hear about what you are going through and say, eh, you are going through this and you are encouraging me. I should be the one encouraging you. <laughs> You'll get it, don't worry. We have a month to deal with this. So redemption, also write this down, includes the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Redemption encapsulates the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So what would one deal with all through this month in our Wednesday and Sunday services, right, is to talk about the things that the death of Jesus provided for us. His burial, his resurrection, his ascension. What does he provide? What does he provide? What? What? You see, did Jesus just come to show off that I can die and rise again? Is that why he came? Did he just come so that, you know, I will not be sick? <laughs> did he just come so that I will go to heaven when I die? Yes, but that is not all he came for. That's not all he came for. And that's what we're talking about. You see, redemption gives you a leverage. It gives you a leverage, an advantage over every other person. You need to understand. You must know it like you know your name. For instance, if I call Mr. Bolio Paniro, he raised up his head. Why didn't you raise up your head? Huh? Why didn't you raise up your head? Why didn't you raise your head? Because that's not your name. You must know these things like you know your name. 
such that when people want to throw something else on you that is not in alignment with these things we're going to talk about this morning, you reject it. Something in your spirit just rejects. You see, there are certain things that when people talk about it, it doesn't affect, it doesn't even bother me. I've come to that level of knowing and understanding. One of it is that I know I can never be stranded. It, it can never happen. I know it like I know my name. One of the things I know like I know my name is that I know I, I, I can never lack help. Never. <laughs> I just know it. Pastor, how do you know it? We understand through this month. Just make sure you don't miss any service. Because you never know when your word will come. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You see, don't be in the habit of choosing the service you will attend. Some people are in that habit. Uh, today, I really don't feel like. If God keeps you only when he feels like, you would have been long gone. If God said, I don't feel this guy should be breathing now. Just let me hold that breath. You see, don't serve God as convenience. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't be a part-time believer dealing with a full-time devil. The devil does not take breaks. The average believer needs to understand that. You see, Christianity is not a social club. It's not a social gathering. It's not what we do, you know, uh, today. Uh, it's not like, I feel like going to that party. I don't feel like. It's not a party. Praise the Lord. So please understand this. It gives you a leverage. And what is a leverage? To give us understanding and perspective. A leverage is that which helps you maximize the output of a resource. A leverage is anything that helps you to maximize the output of a, res uh, of a resource or an asset. So for instance, my voice for what I do is an asset, is a resource. So if I don't use this microphone, you can hear me but you're not hearing me clearly, right? So this microphone is a leverage to amplify the resource that I have. Now, does that mean I still can't do it without the leverage? I can, but it will be with so much struggle. And most likely after the service, my voice will be, <laughs> I would have lost my voice. Looking for Tom Tom and Baba Blue. <laughs> because I didn't use the leverage that's been provided. So we need to understand that that's one of the things leverage does. Leverage delivers you, write it down, from a life of struggle. That's what the leverage does. A leverage reduces and eliminates your struggle. This generation needs to hear that. A generation of hustlers. People even glamorize it now. They say, God bless my hustle. See, that prayer is wasted prayer. He doesn't. God does not bless hustles. He blesses the work of your hand. There you see, let me tell you this. Hustle is a modern language for struggling. And struggling is a curse. Study the Bible. Deuteronomy 28. You see the curses of the Lord there. But people glamorize and say, ah, man, they hustle. They hustle. They hustle. What's that? And, and they are excited. I don't have any problem with it if an unbeliever is saying that. Of course, he should also. But as a believer, safe, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, I say, ah, man must also. <laughs> you see, the day you taste life, success without hustling, you will not go back to a life of us. How many of us, you had that force in this house that you are not supposed to be hustling and you have stopped hustling and your life has been better? Can I see your hand? No, I'm not, you have to see. Anything you do, you are not encouraging me. See, I'm telling you that you know your results have been different. Please raise your hand. Many. See, let me tell you. See, all you need to do is to experience it once. You just need to experience it once or twice. The next thing the leverage does is that it takes the burden and pressure off you. 
It takes the burden and the pressure off you. Redemption is not a call to laziness. But you see, your impute will be infinitesimal and insignificant compared to your results. That's what a leverage does. And so how does this happen? So what are the believers leverage? See, before I talk about, I'm going to talk about one today. Remember, we have a month to talk about this. Please, if I talk about the leverage, one of the, the, leverage, um, the believers leverage. The first thing I want you to know is this. It is possible to have a leverage and not know it. And that's the position many believers are. God has given us many resources. Many things come alongside redemption. When you give your life to Christ, certain things show up. But many of us are unaware. We are unaware. We are unaware. And so the devil cheats us out of that which we already have. You know, that was what he did to Adam and Eve. He showed up, told Eve. He said, Eve, uh, uh, no, that was what I told Jesus. He looked at Eve and said, did God tell you not to eat of this fruit? He said, no, God did not say that, but this was, uh, it's because he knows that the day you eat it, you will become like him. Genesis 1, 26 to 28, God said, let us make man in our own image, after our own likeness. Question, who were they already like? Huh? That's not a rhetorical question. Who were they already like? I need the response. They were already like God. But the devil is saying, uh, it's when you eat it, you will become like God. You know what the devil is telling people now? It is when you have billions in your account that you are prosperous. It's not enough that God said it. You need to show it. You need to prove it. Let me tell you this. Whatever is going to manifest in your life must first be real in your mind. You must first believe it. That's why I said you must know it like you know your name. It does not start with what is in your hand. It starts with what... That's what the Bible says in Romans 12 and verse 2. It says, don't be conformed to this world, but be renewed. Um, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That transformation will come with the renewing of your mind. It must start in your mind. It must start with your mind. You must brainwash yourself or go to the church where they will brainwash. You know, that's what some people say. When they notice that your behavioral pattern has been altered, they say they are brainwashing them in that church. Yes, I'm a brainwasher. I accept, I'm as guilty as charged. I'm washing your brain with the word. Because let me tell you this, if you don't wash your brain with something, something else is washing it. The world is either washing your brain with his lies, or you are washing it, your mind, with the word of God. So it is possible to have a leverage and not know it. It is possible to have it and not recognize it. That's why Jesus, before he died, he spoke out of a place of pain. He said, ah, Jerusalem. You miss the time of your visitation. They saw Jesus. He spent many years with them. But guess what? They were still looking for Messiah. And Messiah was in front of them. And they were still praying for Messiah. You know some parts in Israel, they are still praying for Messiah till now. That their Messiah is still coming. The Messiah that has come over 2,000 years ago. May you not miss your time of visitation. In the name of Jesus. I pray for you. May you recognize your time of visitation. May your eyes be open in the name of Jesus. Some people have missed business opportunities and they are still praying. God, pray through. Some people have missed their employer with a bad attitude. He said, talk to your neighbor. Welcome them to the month of April. Welcome. Because we have sized that person up. This, this, this one. I can never gain anything from this one. <laughs> you may be missing it. 
You see, the thing is, human beings are doors. Even when you want to exit certain relationships, you don't jam the door, you close them. That's wisdom. That's wisdom. You don't jam doors. You never know where you will need that person in the future. You never know. You never know. <laughs> Some people have missed their spouses. They didn't recognize them because they despise them. This guy. He missed what he was saying. They size him up. And that guy is a billionaire in the making. He said, let me tell you this. Everything God wants to give to you, he will wrap it in a form. It takes discernment to recognize it. You think I was like this when my wife married me? You think she was like that when I married her? You know, some people, that's the problem of some people. They like finished products. And I say, it's the married men that's coming to me. It's because you are, is there something in you attracting married men? Because there's one common denominator. It is you, not the married men. So why is it that you are the only one attracting married men? It's because that is what you are looking for. You don't want to build anything. And you yourself, you are not built. It's a different thing if you have built your life to an extent and you are not looking for someone who has also built it. Fantastic. But you have not built anything and you are looking for a built person. That's free. <laughs> Holy. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Nothing keeps you in bondage like ignorance. Nothing. Nothing. Second thing you need to understand about a leverage is that it is possible to have a leverage and live a life like you never had it. I'm always reminded of the story of a guy that went on a boat cruise. I read it in one of Kennedy Gaines' books. You know, it was supposed to be a 30-day cruise. The guy has saved money. It has been his life dream. It was part of his bucket list, you know, to go on a cruise. So he saved up the money. I was able to, you know, uh, um, get the money and go on the cruise. So on the 28th day, two days to the end of the cruise, somebody saw him, you know, that person was going for dinner. And they just noticed the light was on. So he opened the door and he saw this guy eating cabin biscuits. So he asked him, why don't you come to dinner? I said, ah, if you know what I went through to come for this boat cruise, I saved so much. He said, I can't afford the dinner. The guy said, what are you talking about? He said, when you paid for the ticket, all your meals have been paid for. How much food does he want to eat in the last two days that will compensate for the last 28 days? Many of us, we live our lives as if we don't have any leverage. We live our lives as if we are not different from unbelievers. Let me tell you this. In the life of a believer, when certain things are happening, you should go into the place of inquiry. God, why is this happening? This should not be happening to me. It shouldn't. It shouldn't. I hear what I'm saying. So the first leverage a believer has is divine guidance. Somebody say divine guidance. And if you think you understand everything about divine guidance, you are missing it, so better listen. Divine guidance. <laughs> you see, the God that made you and I, do you know that with God there is no past, there is no present, there is no future? So God knows tomorrow more than you can even remember your yesterday. There are certain things you can't remember about yesterday. If I ask you about 23rd of May um, 2020, during lockdown, what were you doing? You were, ah, what was I doing? You may not remember, but <laughs> the fact that you cannot remember, even though God can see what happened, he can tell you in vivid details. God knows your tomorrow, 10, 20 years from now, in vivid details more than you can remember your past. So it is wisdom for you to know the one that knows your tomorrow more than you can remember your past. And that's what is called divine guidance. Another name for it is the leadership of the Holy Spirit. 
You see, it is a leverage for you as a believer that you must never despise. The ability to hear God. I want a day to hear a message like this the first Sunday in the second quarter of 2022. If you don't understand it, trust me, this quarter will be like the last three months. It will be like the last three months. It will be like previous months and years. It's a leverage. It's an advantage for you. It's an asset as a believer for you to be able to hear God. For instance, maybe when the pastor says, you know, God told me, a lot of people look mystified. That, eh? You had God? Wow. Pastor had God. You should hear God. It's the leverage every believer should have. It's not the exclusive precepts of preachers because there are also some pastors who don't hear God. There are. The proof that a man truly had God is that what he said comes to pass. That's the proof. It's not by saying, ah, God, God told me, God told me. <laughs> and I told you guys who were moving last year, or is it this year? I said, God said we are moving. Didn't we move? Aha, that is God said. That's proof. Somebody hearing what I'm saying? And that should be, you see, in that business, in that career, God wants to speak to you. Some people box God to church. So when they get to the award, they get to banking on Monday. They get to accounting. They get to IT. They believe that, oh no, God does not really understand this. See, let me tell you something. You look at the story of Jonah. The Bible says that when Jonah refused to go to where he was supposed to go to, uh, they threw him overboard and the fish swallowed him and took him to where he was supposed to go. How can a fish swallow a human being? Have you thought about it? You know, many of us, we don't get engaged in inductive reasoning. You see, the people that wrote it that time, the only interpretation they could give to it is a fish. Because the only thing that lives in water is what? It's fish. So the fish knew where to go, went to the right place and spilled him out. Inside, how big can the belly of the fish get? And it was not digested. Think about it. That was a submarine. Just think about it. No, because when many of us read Bible, we just say, ah, and a fish swallowed. See, the only way they could describe it at that time is a fish. Someone that has not seen a mobile phone before, if you tell him someone that the only thing he has ever seen in his life ah, is the telephone of the 80s. Grrr, grrr. And you now say, see, there is this device that you can use to talk to anybody. It has no wire. It even has no keypad, nothing to press. And you can talk to anybody in the world. In fact, you can even see people on video. The person will look at you like, what is that? How would they describe it and call it a phone? They can't. Because they have no reference point. Somebody hearing what I'm saying? There's another scripture that says, who are these that fly like those to their windows? He can only call them those because in that time there was no aircraft. But the Bible was talking about technology. Airplanes, aircraft. You guys are looking lost. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll talk about that some other time. Divine guidance. Because until redemption, it was not possible for people to hear God. You remember the story of um, three kings, they wanted to go to battle. And they wanted to know what God's will was concerning that battle. So they said, for us to go to this battle, this is what we need to do. We need to hear God. They could not go to God for divine guidance. 
Because in that time, Jesus had not come. He had not died. He had not resurrected. So there were only few people that could hear God. And those were prophets. And so they went to Elisha. And even Elisha himself could not just hear God. So he said, get me a minstrel. When he plays, when he stirs up my spirit, when I get to the particular frequency, then I'll be able to hear God. Even the prophet could not just hear God normally. Like you and I will hear him today. I remember, was it 2000? Yeah, it was 2020, right? Before the lockdown. And I was going to do something, you know. So I just decided before then I loved bikes. <laughs> now, I'm, I tell myself, you are getting older. You should be wiser. So I just said, ah, because of time, let me take a bike. So I took the bike. And five, um, less than um, two minutes, the Holy Spirit just told me. He just showed me something as a flash. What was going to happen five minutes ahead of that journey. He just told me, get down now. So out of that, you know, urgency, I just told the bike guy, stop, stop, stop. You know, and the guy just maneuvered, whatever, and there was an accident. And the Holy Spirit just showed me this was supposed to happen in the middle of the road. I saw, it was as if I just saw a glimpse of a movie. A trailer coming and you in the middle of the road. What if I had not seen it? And the truth is that money, it was not like I prayed, you know, like, as I go out, show me. No, 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 no. It was a normal day. Let me tell you this. If you can hear God, your life will be preserved from any evil. <laughs> your life will be preserved from many losses. Everything that glitters is not gold. They say, oh, there is this investment opportunity. So, put money here. In 30 days, it will. <laughs> you see, there is no amount, there's no way your mouth can be. There are some investment I can never do. I'm that mature in the things of the Spirit. If the Holy Spirit does not tell me, no matter how fantastic, no matter who the person, even if it's my wife that's creating that investment, I said, God bless you. Well, he told you, he didn't tell me. Many have lost their hard-end money because they didn't hear God. They didn't hear God. In that workplace, God wants to guide you. You see, I always say that it is, it is a slap on a believer's place when they fire you and you are surprised. Because the only God should have told you. You should have picked it up that you are about to lose this job. Do this, do this, do this, or reapply for. And then you get a sack letter, and you are <laughs> ah, something is wrong. You are spiritually deaf. Because a decision to be fired does not happen overnight. And the God that can sense and read the spirit of every man, that's what the Bible calls him the father of all spirit. He must have communicated it to your spirit. Something is about to happen. You must have picked it up and averted it. That's why the Bible says the prudent man foresees the evil and he hides himself. If Solomon said that, it means Solomon experienced it. You and Solomon was not born again. But yet he had the relationship. He understood sacrifice. How to invoke the presence of God. You see, God can speak to anyone. And you must understand this, that it is a leverage. God can tell you the land to buy. I've been seen people that buy land. They say, buy land, buy land, fantastic. You can buy a land and 20 years from now, the government will possess it. And say, this is a government zone, you know, blah, blah, blah. We need to construct something. You see, you can do study. Go to Allah, they give you all the document of future plan. One crazy person can wake up, but let me tell you, if it is God that told you to buy it, 
no matter the demon possessed leader that rises up tomorrow, if he wants to do something to take that thing from you, God can kill him overnight because he told you. Many years ago, a man of God, you know, I don't want to mention names because you know, we, are, we are being watched all over the world. I think that was in the early 90s. He said God told, you know, he told this, his folks, his leadership team, you know, that God told him that he has a land on Ikorodu Road. They said there are no lands on Ikorodu Road. He said, I'm not arguing with you, but God said he's giving me over two acres of land on Ikorodu Road. He's there today. See, let me tell you this. When God tells you something, it might not even be there, but God can move things around for that thing to come to you because he said it. The only assurance and guarantee of safety, especially in these last days, is that God said, all these jackpot spirits, you better don't be jacked into the pot. That's why they call it jackpot. He jacks you up and puts you in the pot, covers you and cooks you alive. <laughs> you better be led. I have no problem with people traveling. I even encourage people to travel. If you're around me and you don't have a passport, you know it's a problem. Can't be around me and say you don't have passport. What's wrong with you? And you're saying you want to be global. Global without a passport. How would that happen? You want to be like that proverbial guy that I had gave a testimony in a church. One of my mentors said, it's a shop. <laughs> so praise the Lord. He said, Hallelujah. He said, I traveled. No passports, no visa. And people were excited in the shop. Because that is not a testimony. That's a lie. And everybody was like, I receive it. What are you receiving? That's stupidity gone to seeds. So how did you, how did you pass immigration? How, what did they stamp? Your palms? When you go to the country, when I said, you know, you see, where re, that's the problem of religion. It shuts down people's thinking. But that's not Christianity. That's religion. <laughs> I could not believe it. Like, ah. You mean out of all these people, nobody has sense to even question this testimony. Ah, if you can give a testimony in this show, somebody will hear it. They will ask you a question. We proof. You can't just say, praise the Lord. I did a contract. I, 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 I did this. I did that. God, even if you say God, see, show us the proof. No, because some people give testimony because they want to be seen. I see that. The word is working in my own life too. No, 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 no. We, we don't need encouragement. Some people even do that. They want to encourage their pastor. So the pastor will feel encouraged. I don't need your encouragement. I'm self-encouraged. Praise the Lord. Divine guidance. If there is one thing you must never joke with as a believer, is the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Never joke with it. You know, some of us, the reason why we even avoid it is because <laughs> growing up, many of the movies many of us watch messed up with our minds. So when a man is about to hear God, you will hear, my son. So and the person will be looking around, hey, God. <laughs> you know, or when they hear God, is that God always tells them to do something they don't want to do. That was what I'm talking about. God say, go to China. And today, China is even a place people want to go. If you're a business person, they say, go to Ukraine. <laughs> I'm sending, say, eh, I'm not going. <laughs> so when people hear divine guidance, that's what comes to their mind. Ah, no, I don't want God to guide me. He will tell me to do something I don't want to do. Now, God, don't guide me. Just leave me. <laughs> no, but the Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. When God leads you, he leads you into abundance. If he's truly your shepherd, he will lead you beside still waters and into the place of abundance. Never forget that. 
Never forget that. So why do we need to be led by the Spirit? Number one, it is the key to terminating our struggles. If you are struggling on the job, struggling in business, struggling in your industry, struggling financially, child of God, it's because you are not being led. Trust me. It's as simple as that. There is no nicer way to say it. There's no diplomatic way to say it. The proof of struggle is that direction and guidance is absent. A believer should not be struggling. It's either you are guided and you don't listen, you don't obey, or you are not being guided at all. The second reason why you need to be led by the Spirit is because it delivers you from a life of trial and error. You see, let me tell you this. A lot of us, we are not as young as you think. Huh? I was just saying, I, I see you have time. Let me try many things. Let me try. If this one does not work. For how long do you want to live your life like that? Your life is not a game. You are not Mario. You have only one life. If you waste it, destiny is wasted. You know, you see, this is not a rehearsal. It's not. So you don't live your life by trial. See, if you are living your life by trial and error, the thing is you will have more misses than you have eats. So when you get to one eat, you say, ah, it is working, it's working, it's working. It is not working, it is luck. It's a game of probability. But when you are guided, you can always eat your targets. Every time, 100% of the time. Why do you need to be led by the Spirit? Because in God's leading, number three is your provision. In God's leading is your provision. That's why Psalm 23 verse 1 where I quoted earlier. I said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. If you are in perpetual want, I beg to tell you, you are not being led. Or you are not being shepherded by God. Other things may be leading you. Social media may be leading you. Godless celebrities may be leading you. The prophets at the bad beach may be leading you. But God is not the one leading you. Why do you need to be led by the Spirit? Because in God's leading is your preservation. It's your preservation. David would always ask God, should I go? Should I? You see, the part that blows my mind about David's story is the time when he rescued a particular city. I don't know, I always forget that name, the name of that city. And after he rescued them from their enemies, Saul Adi was in that city. So Saul went after him. David did not assume that I just helped these people. One good turn deserves another. David went back to God. God, will these people deliver me into the hands of Saul? God said, they will deliver you. Do you need to pray about that? Okay, you just help somebody now. Let's say you just pay somebody's house rent. Let's use that example. And one enemy is looking for you and you are in the house that you paid for. You paid somebody's house rent. Naturally, you will not pray that God, my enemy knows that I'm here. With the person whose house rent I pay, will they deliver me into the minds of my enemy? Most likely, you will not pray, but not David. He said, God, should that, what's going to happen? Will they deliver me? Or should I, should I leave? Should I stay? God says, See, they will carry you and hand you over to, the, to Saul. The Bible says the guy gathered his things and left. When Saul had, the Bible says Saul, Saul went back to where he was coming from. Never assume things. Never assume things. In God's leading is your preservation. That's where it is. Also, in God's leading is your peace. If you are consistently troubled, frazzled, you know, always in a state of unrest, it might be that it's because you are not being led by the Spirit. Because the Bible says in Psalm 23 and verse 2, it says it will lead you even beside still waters. 
it will lead you besides still waters. So what are the requirements to divine guidance? What are the requirements? Because for you to be guided, led by the Spirit of God, for you to take advantage of this leverage, there are things that must be in place. That's why every believer is not being guided. Not because there is no capacity for guidance, but because the requirements are not in place. Number one, if you're going to be guided, you must maintain proximity to God's presence. Somebody say proximity. I can't hear you. That's not everybody. Say proximity. You must be a person of God's presence. <laughs> you know, one of the things I've noticed is that in the Nigerian landscape now, there is a type of Christianity that's been paraded. It's a consumer Christianity, a consumer mindset Christianity. The consumer mindset Christianity. So you check the prayer point of the average believer. It's about God, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. For many people, when they see God, the only thing that comes to their mind when they think about God is an errand supreme being. A genie of some sort that when you rub his lamp, it will just, your wish is my command. No, that's not God. Somebody hear what I'm saying? You want to be guided by the spirit of God, you must maintain proximity. Proximity. The closer you are, you see, if you are close to someone, you will hear things about them, hear things from them that you will not hear through any other means. Do you know that? So you want to be guided by God, you must be close to him. The first thing you should pick in the morning, ah, is not your phone, except you want to join the calibrate. You can't wake up in the morning and the first thing you're checking WhatsApp, you sent you a message in the night. It's not an emergency. If it's an emergency, you would have been called. I would like my post overnight. How many likes do I have? How many views? Really? First thing in the morning? Are you kidding? And you expect to hear God in that day? Because, you're, you see, even psychologists have told us that the first few hours of the day, avoid your phone. Don't check emails. Psychologists trying to catch up with the Bible. That your mind, your energy is dissipated. Your mind is, you know, is all over the place when you do that first thing in the morning. The most productive thing should be done except if your work has to do with your phone. Many of us don't even say as simple as Father, thank you for waking me up this morning. The first thing is, that's your God. Obviously, your phone has become your God because that's your first place of resort. So, the, you see, when the Bible says you shall have no God apart from me, many of us, the only thing we think about is, I know, we think of idols, something you knew down before. And you see, many of us, our phones have become our gods because that's your first point of call when you wake up in the morning. Oh, no, Father, thank you. No worship, nothing. No reading of the Bible, no prayer. The first thing is Instagram. The first thing is Facebook, WhatsApp. Don't do that. If you are in that habit, stop it today. It's the beginning of a new quarter. Stop it. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, if you've been doing that, pastor said you should stop it. Stop it. You can't hear God that way. Why? You have heard from other sources. See, let me tell you this. God did not hide it. He said, I am a jealous God. He didn't hide it. So it simply means if you want to hear from me, you must prioritize me. If you want to hear from your phone, no problem. Go ahead, pick it up. But you want to hear from me, I must be your first point of call when you wake up in the morning. 
proximity. And let me tell you, this proximity does not happen overnight. It happens over time. You can spend five hours with somebody the first time you meet them. That doesn't mean you are close to them. But when you keep spending time, you keep spending time, you keep spending time, you keep spending time, a day will come, they will become so free around you that they will just say certain things to you. And you'll be wondering, why is this person telling me this? It's because you are getting to a level of intimacy. I remember someone I respect so much, you know, one of my mentors years ago, you know, I was with him talking about something like over, maybe like over 10 years ago, maybe like 10, 7 to 10 years ago. You know, and that they just said, he just told me something and just said, I can, do you know what I just told you now? I've not even told my wife. I was just like, what? I was scared. <laughs> because that's a level of trust we must never mess with. At that point, I knew I'd entered a level in that relationship. I was just like, what? He said, and I'm not even sure. He said, because I, I, it's, it's not that it's wrong, but I'm not sure she'll be able to handle it. I was just like, wow. That did not happen overnight. It happened over time. If you're going to hear from God, you see, that's the mistake many of us make. You wake up one morning, you pray for six hours. Two months later, God did not see you. You can never be close to him that way. It is even better to spend 30 minutes, in fact, five minutes every day. And God can predict your five minutes than you pray five hours in one month or in five months. Proximity comes through consistency. 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 Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, be consistent. Be consistent. The second requirement to hearing from God is value. Somebody say value. value. Scream it. Say value. You must value his guidance. Many of us are never led by God. We don't enjoy divine guidance because we don't value it. How do I know we don't value it? We ask from every, for everybody's opinion. What do you think I should do? Should I say yes? That guy is asking me, should I say yes? What do you think? That girl, do you think I should ask her? You have asked everybody except God. Should I, should I buy that thing? Should I put my money there? Should I pick up that job? Am I the one that made you? How am I supposed to know? I can only advise. That's why you need to be careful of pastors that try to override your will and your spirit. Be careful. That's not the job of a pastor. A pastor is not meant to guide you. Not the pastor is my shepherd. The Lord. Not a pastor. Somebody hear what I'm saying? As I don't play that role in people's life. If you want me to play that role, I will direct you back to the person who should play that role. So have you prayed about it? Not that I, 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 I think this is what you do. There is a place that I can have in your life and I can instruct you as led by the Spirit. But I will still tell you, go and pray about it. Because if God tells you otherwise, you have a right not to do it. Because whatever step you are taking, you must hone it. And the only way you can hone it is that God told you. Do you think I'm here because my pastor or my mentor said, okay, I think you should start a church? No. <laughs> because when the demons show up, they can't fight it on, the, on my behalf. Uh, sometimes I, I, I just pity people who think business did not work, career did not work. Ah, I think God is calling me. Really? You are not strong spiritually enough to get a job. You now think then, <laughs> I just laugh in Spanish. When they show you like this, you know. <laughs> value. Matthew 7 and verse 6, Jesus said, don't give what is holy unto the dogs. He said, don't cast your peels also before the swine. 
That is, if you don't value something, the God that said you should not give valuable things to dogs, do you think that same God will lead you if you don't value it? The next, the next requires desire, desire, desire. You must desire it. You must desire it. You must desire it. Proverbs 23 and verse 18. The Bible says, For surely there is an end, and your expectation shall not be cut off. You must desire it. Expect God to guide you. Expect him to guide you in your business. In making that decision, expect it. Expectation is proof of desire. When you truly want something, when you desire something, you expect it. In the next few minutes I have left, let me talk about how God leads us. How God leads us. Have you been blessed this morning? How does God lead us? Number one, by his word. Somebody say by his word. I can't hear you say by his word. Any leading that does not align with God's word is from the devil. <laughs> For instance, God cannot lead you to marry a second wife. It can never happen. Now you see, pastor, there is this desire in me. And you know the Bible says God works in us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. <laughs> you are hearing a demon. God can never tell you to slap your wife, to reset her brain. You know there are people who say that. They say, you know, <laughs> I've had some people talk before. They say, you know, a woman is like a child. Sometimes you need to beat her to put her in her place. I say, wonderful. So that beating, what does it produce? You produce a monster. You are beating somebody cooking for you. How smart are you? Somebody that can kill you. And you are sleeping on the same bed. Somebody that can just look at you and just shoot you. Let us die. <laughs> people get mine though. You maltreat somebody you are sleeping with on the same bed. I've not been able to. Even the ones you are not maltreating, the devil can enter. And just look at that girl. See how he's snoring. And slap him. <laughs> the one you are treating well. Not to now talk of the one you are maltreating. <laughs> God leads us principally by his word. That's why you notice every prayer we pray in this church, they will quote the Bible verse first. Many of us will pray. Th through sensationalism. Oh, God, ah, you know, See, all those things, God does not respond to drama. He responds to his word. Forget all the drama. Drama does not produce results. People can, you can shake, you can vibrate. The Bible says, see, God wanted Elijah to understand that. So when he was in the cave, the Bible says there was a thundering. Elijah must have thought, hey, God has come. The Bible says there was a quaking. The Bible says, and God was not there. When God was eventually going to speak to him, the Bible says, and God spoke in a still small voice. God does not need that drama. He doesn't need it. He leads us principally through his word. That's why if you are not going to be misled, you must be a person of the word. Be a person of, of, of God's word. Read your Bible. Reading the Bible is not the job of pastors. It's the job of every believer. The Bible says in Colossians 3 and verse 16, it says, let the word of God dwell in you richly, 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 not sparsely, richly. That is, let your heart be full of the word, such that when somebody tells you something, or there is a spirit or a voice that tells you to do something, ah, no, 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 this does not align with the word. It's not in agreement. You just know. 
Secondly, God leads us by the inward witness. By the inward witness. By the inward witness. Proverbs 20 and verse 27. The Bible says, The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. And it searches the inward parts of the belly. The spirit of man. You see, the part of you that is redeemed is not your body. Neither is it your soul. Your body will be redeemed during rapture. Right? You'll be given a new body. Not this one. Your mind has to be retrained. That's what the Bible says in Romans 12 and verse 2. It says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It is your spirit that is redeemed. Your spirit. And that your spirit is where God will witness to when he wants to lead you. So sometimes when we say God said, it's not like we had a voice. My son, it is the month of advantage. Declare it when you get to church tomorrow. No, 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 no. And you say, the way you will know it is God speaking to you is through exercise. Exercise. You can't tell me the first time you had God is when you want to get married. You didn't hear God. You had your emotions. You must have been hearing God in little things. Get this job. Wear that clothes. It might have, what's, what's it with clothes? You see, God will not be so spooky as to telling you what to wear every day. But the day he tells you to what to wear, you better obey. Because it might be that what you're about to wear I can give you disfavor in the presence of somebody you're about to meet. So it leads you by your spirit. Number three, it leads you through his prophets. Or let me say your prophet. God will lead you through your prophet. Who is your prophet? A prophet is someone you have received as God's voice in your life. And you can't have many. That's why a lot of people are confused in this generation. They have many online pastors. They have family pastors. They now have church pastor. So when they say, my pastor said, you don't even know which one they are talking about. Is it the Instagram parish pastor? Or the Eleko Beach pastor? So they tell you, come and wash, do beach washing. So they want to sanctify you. When the Bible says we are sanctified by the word, you want to go and be sanctified by bad beach water. Mommy, what aspect will now enter you? When you now sleep in the night, you'll now be seeing fish. You'll now be wondering, is it? <laughs> you have called wrong spirits into your life. Let me tell you this. Any spiritual environment must be entered with care. Are you hearing what I'm saying? A spiritual environment must be entered with care because you can make contact with the wrong spirits. Many of us, our parents grew up with the ideology of go here to pray, pray here, pray here, pray here. When you look at many of them, they are alive. Is it the, life, the kind of life you want to live? In all honesty. I always tell people, you know, I respect my parents, I love them, I honor them, but their life could have been better. And let me tell you this, they live a good life by the average Nigerian standard. But I know their lives could have been better. It could have been. One of the problems was all this. Somebody comes to the house to pray today. This one. How many of us experienced that growing up? Somebody comes, comes, said, want to come and do VG. You don't have your own house. I never wanted to be a pastor. Because I saw all those things. Pastor that said, want to come and do VG with you. No, allow the poor boy to enjoy his sleep. <laughs> and I'll be giving fake prophet lying. A prophet sign, they will be prophet lying. Because if you don't give word, that will they believe you are a man of God. So you must cook up something. I've seen people who missed it maritally. Because one of those pastors came to their house. 
and said, marry this person. Is your husband from heaven. Marry the person. And from the first one week of marriage, she became a beating drum. But that's, so it means God gave you somebody that turned you into a punching bag. So God will lead you through your prophet. You see, all this ideology of moving from place to place, it does not work. Let me tell you this, it does not work. It does not work. That's why as a believer, you must know the place where God has planted you and stay there. And stay there. And stop joining. Am I saying you can't learn from people? Of course you can. But everybody must not have access to your spirit. Everybody should not. Everybody should not. When somebody tells you, let me tell you this. In fact, as your pastor, if you are truly a believer and you are doing what I'm teaching you, when I tell you that God said I should tell you something, it should not be a revelation, it should be a confirmation. If you have been hearing God personally, you should be like, wow, pastor, it is true. God has told me that. Wow, you just confirmed something. You know, during the course of the week, I was having a conversation with one of my mentors, you know, during the day. And he just said something. He just said, sir, you just confirmed what God just told me five minutes ago. So you just confirmed it. He said, wow. That's how we should be. Not that I tell you, are you serious? <laughs> What's that? That's emotion. Am I saying you can't cry when God tells you something? That's not what I'm saying. Sometimes you can be so overwhelmed with his lean. Like, wow, God can read my mail this much. But let me tell you this. That is not how he wants to lead you perpetually. So he leads you through his word. He leads you through his, the inward witness. And number three, he leads you through your prophet. That is your pastor. That's why Galatians 3 and verse 15. He said, I will give you pastors according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and with understanding. Deuteronomy 18 and verse 15. He said, the Lord your God will raise up unto you a prophet from the midst of you, of your brethren, like unto me. It says, unto him shall you obey. Why are you guys not projecting the scripture? What's happening? Something, okay. Deuteronomy 18 and verse 15. Mark it in your Bible. Write it down when you get home. Read it. He said, a prophet like me will the Lord give to you. He said, him shall you obey. So if you want to be led, get rid of distractions. It's a new quarter. It's a new season. You see, for those of us that have not heard it before, let me, tell, let me, let, let me share this with us. It's something I've said several times. Stop seeing a year as a year. See every year. Divide every year into four. And see each quarter as a year. And every quarter, trust God for something remarkable and exceptional. The energy you will channel into 12 months, channel it into three months. Have four years in one year. That's the way to approach life. When the Holy Spirit taught me three, these three years ago, skyrocketed, every, skyrocketed everything. Many of us think we still have time. So uh, this divine guy, they are saying, I, I would see, when you hear things like this, you put it to work immediately. You get home and you pray, God, what do you want me to do this quarter? What step do you want me to take? That thing you have promised me, what step must I do to actualize it? This morning I want you to pray. I want you to talk to God this morning. Maybe there's a step you want to take this quarter, this week, in your business, in your career, whatever. I want you to begin to talk to God this morning. Even if you have never heard his voice, talk to him, say, Father, guide me. In this new month, in this new quarter, lead me by your spirit. Order my steps. 
I want to be guided by your spirit. I want to be led by your spirit. Somebody pray, somebody pray.